Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another late episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And that's not to say it's another late one, just another episode, and this one's late. It is late, and I accept full responsibility for that. I no, slept- you're being too kind. I think both of us, it, 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 last week kind of ruined us. It, it really did, but you know, I was on uh, a band tour with my daughter's high school and spent two days at Disneyland, among some other. Uh, in the four days we were gone, I did not sleep for two of the nights, and uh, I have slept for about six and a half hours out of the last 50, so I'm kind of wasted right now. I know but, the feeling. Um, we are here for you, our dear listener. We are. We're very sorry if you intended to hear us on um, Monday and we weren't there for you, but we're here now. And, you know, if anything, it gave us another couple days for headlines. Because, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to anything last week, being kind of off the grid the way that I was. And this is my first time at a computer in a week. Yeah, I uh, am very kind of surprised that nothing really happened last week. Well... I didn't miss much. Some things happened, but not a lot. There are big things that happened, though. True. Um, And we're going to start off with a rather controversial one, but before we get into the name-calling and cat-fighting and uh, gnashing of teeth and whatnot, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, Open Book Audio, Radio KSCR, with Joe giving us a very nice happy birthday, um, and Geek Factor Radio. Yeah, it was our birthday. That's awesome. It was our birthday, and they remembered... We have more people remember our birthday here than I do, like, in real life on my birthday. Because my birthday usually falls around Thanksgiving, if not on Thanksgiving. It's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know your birthday was around Thanksgiving. I, I'm i very low-key with it. It's what happens when you get to be 80. <laughs> Seven. Okay, so this last week... Congress decided to either screw us over or help us out, depending, evidently, which news site you write for. Yeah. We have yeah. we have three different headlines, and that all three of them go about this talking about the same issue. Now, Zahner, you co- uh, posted one in there from conservativereview.com. And uh, all due respect, you're a dear friend. It's BS. Like every, I thought it was. I thought that it was an interesting take on the subject. If you if you word it that way, that is an interesting take, and it does explain why people are upset. Uh, and of course, what we're talking about is what we were reporting on a couple of weeks ago with talk that the uh, that Congress was going to revoke the requirement that ISPs require us to opt in to sell our information to advertisers. Yes. Now, that has been revoked. Last week, it was voted on strictly down party lines, which I hate seeing. I I, I just despise it, but that's my own personal... That's that's how it's done anymore, though. Everything almost seems to be party lines, regardless of what it is. Whether it's good or bad, 
it seems to be party lines because these politicians have more loyalty to the party than they do to their own convictions. Indeed, indeed. Well, okay, so let's let's see what that means from the conservative review, which, if you couldn't tell by the URL alone, is probably not a bipartisan news source. No, definitely not. Definitely not neutral in this, I would say. So uh, how they word it is that it's actually um, – the GOP standing up to the FCC and Obama's old, um, sorry, my brain really is quite fried right now. Uh, the legacy of Obama, we'll just say, uh, pointing out that before 2015, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, they were the ones in charge of Internet privacy. And that they had a very well-built framework where the ISPs were the ones who were in charge, who had an equal share at the table uh, getting advertising results and search results and um, tracking people's use and that everything was great. And then Obama stepped in and said, nope, we're not going to do that. We are going to hand it over to the FCC. We're going to make it illegal for the ISPs to do that. Um, it's just going to be Google's game. And they do point out accurately, I'll point out here, um, that about 250 people from Google, from different branches around Google, left to go into the FCC under the Obama administration, which raises eyebrows no matter what. Yes. You know, and that's an accurate statement. It's kind of like the CEO of Comcast going and becoming the chairman of the FCC. Right. Um, and th this person who wrote here for the CR has pointed out that uh, Ajit Pai, which I have to admit, I don't know if that's actually how I say his name. I've never heard his name said out loud. It sounds good. Let's okay. let's go with it. We'll, we'll roll we'll, with if it. If it's wrong, then he can correct us because he's probably listening on the wiretaps and whatnot. Now, he is the new chairman for the FCC, and he said, quote, due to the FCC's action today, those who have more insight into customer behavior, edge providers, will be subject to more lenient regulations than those who have less insight, ISPs, end quote. There's some problems with this. First off, the ISPs are the edge providers. That's how the internet works. They are, now, the, they are the connectors that we connect to. They are literally the edge of the internet that we connect into. Okay, now I'm not familiar with this term edge provider. An, an edge provider, if you look at it, um, oh, how do I, how do I put it? I'm familiar with it in terms of networking and like email networks and whatnot, but the edge is literally that. It is the edge that you connect to, that you interface in. It's not the hub. It's not the main core of it, if you will. It's the edge. So kind of like the border of it. Yeah. The, okay. And ISPs are our access into the internet through the edge. They are the edge provider. Okay. Okay. Now, what this article I want to say is trying to say, well, actually here, it's the second to last paragraph and it's all one sentence, which kind of makes me twitch says under the democratic rules isps can use personal data to tailor advertising or make you special offers but they need to buy the data from google first that is 100 percent inaccurate 
and a complete misunderstanding of how technology works. But then if you flip around, there's another article here from Recode, and it's titled very differently, saying simply that Donald Trump ends federal online privacy rules. And words it that he quietly signed it, that no one was supposed to know that he actually did it, even though we've been talking about it for weeks. Yeah, that doesn't seem quite accurate either. Right. Um, and that this was um, a huge blow against everyone, and that this was just everything that the telecom companies wanted. And by the way, it did point out that some telecom companies have insisted they would protect consumer privacy information anyway. So I don't know what they're trying to say. Normally, Recode is pretty, uh, pretty level. But if there's one side that I listen to, and I believe it's DSL reports. And what do they have to say on the matter? They point out a lot more information than either side brings up. Well, there's not as many pictures in their article. And it's a lot longer. <laughs> Okay, so, as they point out, the rule to make ISPs actually follow the Obama administration's uh, rule hadn't yet taken effect. That meant that Congress was allowed to, quote-unquote, review the rule. So they didn't go in and actively repeal the law, if that makes sense. It had not yet actually been passed into law. It had never actually taken effect. Does that okay. make sense? Okay. Yeah. What the rule would have said is that ISPs would have been uh, required to transparently disclose private data collection and sales while requiring ISPs to have consumers opt in to the collection of more private financial or browsing history data. Translation. ISPs would have to be able to say, look, we've given this amount of data um, saying that we've collected X amount of gigs of data and you can go onto our website and see that we've collected this amount and it's a number and uh, we've told them how many sales we have. But if you want us to give specific browsing history or uh, financial information, you'll have to opt in. Now, why would anyone do that? Well, it's really a way to protect us because in years past, um, Verizon got caught modifying packets so they could track their subscribers. Which I, did we talk about that? We I, did. That sounds like something we that we've talked about on this show. Um, and AT&T and Comcast, and I didn't even remember this one, but they were actually, um, forcing users to pay for privacy. If you don't want us to share your information, you need to pay us more money. Which is straight up dirty. Yeah. So, really, what the Obama FCC was trying to do was to get them to avoid doing that. Now, here's my take on it. Okay? ISPs are not ad agencies. They're not. Google is an ad agency. Correct. When we 
sign into Google services, when we sign up for them, we say right there in the end user license agreement, we're okay with you tracking all of our information. And in return, you give us this stuff for free. Now, if Comcast wants to give, give me internet for free, and in return, I tell them that you can track all my data and use it for advertising purposes, then that's their right. But if I'm not getting my internet for free, if I'm paying for this service, you shouldn't do that. This is also, by the way, why I don't want Google Fiber. And I've told this many times. Why have the world's largest advertising company as your ISP? Yeah, you're just asking to get bombarded with information because they know or advertisements, rather, because they know every little piece of information of your life. Mm-hmm. And if you think that uh, the ISPs don't have information, that information, you don't know how networking works because every packet you send out of your network, whether it was in incognito mode or if it was in the middle of the night and no one knew you were doing it or you're using a Mac this time, so how could they possibly know it was you because you're PC anyway? Your ISP knows. They do. And if you don't think... All ISPs know. Just remember that your phone is basically a computer, and T-Mobile or Verizon or AT&T or Sprint are also ISPs. They know, too. Yes, they do. Which is why the government keeps going to them saying, give us all this data. Because they have that data. They do. They have all the data. Whether or not it's Google data, they have it. This is The best way I can liken this that people would understand is imagine that instead of ISPs, we're talking about cars. Well, Toyota has been tracking everywhere I go, and they're selling that information, and they're selling whose house I'm at, and they're selling what gas brand I use, and they're selling how long I drive and what I'm under constant surveillance. They didn't even tell me they're doing it. But they tell me that in addition to buying the car and paying for the maintenance and paying for the registration and paying for the gas, I could also pay an additional privacy fee, and they will stop tracking me. Which is absurd when you stop and think about it, but that's exactly what goes on with our, our cell phones, that goes on with our internet. I mean, that's, that's what's happening. Right. I have zero sympathy for the ISPs in this one. And I have a very, very, very high suspicion, high level of suspicion that, uh, the new head of the FCC doesn't actually understand how technology works or what his job entails. Well, you know, I think we've talked about this repeatedly. We have these individuals in Washington who are dictating these laws that pertain to technology and how American citizens utilize that technology, but they don't really have an understanding of how said technology works or how it integrates into society other than I get my emails on my BlackBerry. Right. And and worse yet, they say, well, I don't really understand this. Can anyone explain it to me? And here comes Comcast going, yeah, I'll explain it to you just fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, there's it came out after this this vote passed that apparently there's been a lot of campaign contributions to the people who voted in favor of it. And so they were basically paid off, which, you know, it goes back to the old saying, follow the money. And for that reason alone, 
that really makes me uneasy with this mm-hmm. is because the votes were purchased by the parties who wanted the votes to pass and the will of the American people had very little to do with this. There, there's been a lot of, a lot of complaining back and forth on the internet. You know, most of it has not been in favor saying this is something that needs to pass. It's all been stop selling our privacy. And yet they voted in favor of the bill, which later turns out they got paid a lot of money to do so. What can the us, the common citizen, do about that? You know, at this point, I don't know. I would say, you know, we need to get different people in office. However, that Haven't doesn't said seem that to every work. Year? <laughs> that yeah, that doesn't seem to work. We say get different people. Even when you get different people, they end up selling out and I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a nightmare though. We got problems. Indeed. Now, I was a little bit bummed. I was kind of expecting the two of us to take different sides on this one, and we could stretch this out for a half hour, but <laughs> that just didn't happen. No. Well, you know, you're reasonable. I'm reasonable. I honestly don't know the ins and outs of, of what just happened well enough to really say, yes, this is great, or no, it's not. But I do know that there was a lot of money that changed hands that led up to this passing, which I, I think I does find not that, sit well with me. Yeah, I find that as soon as I break down any situation into an, al- an analogy of a car, most people get cars. Yeah. Because we have to use them constantly. Even if you don't understand how they work, they're a piece of technology that we all use and we're all familiar with the use of. So as soon as I uh, you know, make a, a metaphor using that, people get it. Yeah. Ready for, for sure. another one? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so... Uh, Trump has just named a, uh, an assistant attorney general as his new antitrust enforcer. I didn't know this at first. I had to read into this, but evidently there's the attorney general and then there's assistance to the attorney general. And I knew that part, but what I didn't know is that yes. a s- specific assistants cover one specific area of law. Which makes sense. Yeah, sure. As soon as I read that, I was like, really? And I looked into it. It's like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and the one that covers antitrust is now Mackin Del Rame. You probably don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. President Trump knows who he is. And well, he's obviously the best people because President Trump surrounds himself with the best people. Well, he's a former corporate lawyer and okay. a former lobbyist. For the telecom companies. Which right there does not sit well with me. Yeah. Um, so especially when you remember that AT&T and Time Warner merger that was uh, on the table that got shot down uh-huh. for being too com- anti-competitive. Yeah. He, he's previously said on record that uh, really it wasn't anti-competitive. It was no big deal. It wasn't a major antitrust problem. Uh, he actually said... Uh, where, where is it? I just, oh yeah, here it is. He didn't see the problem with that uh, merger, given that the wireless giant and Time Warner were not direct competitors. I don't think he knows what anti antitrust means. <laughs> well, you know, they are kind of, because AT&T's got the deals with, is it Dish Network? Mm-hmm. 
and Time Warner is a cable company, and Dish Network is a direct competitor of cable companies. AT&T is in bed with Dish Network. Is that is that the transitive property? Well, let's let's go back to the whole car analogy. Okay, I like it. We'll keep with it, right? Sounds good. Toyota, because I've already mentioned them. And I don't hate on Toyota, but everyone knows Toyota, right? They're a huge company. They're like one of the only car companies that never goes into debt. They, they're so rich, they own their own city. I'm not making that up. They really do. Toyota is looking at merging with another company. But don't worry. This company isn't one that they do business with. They don't directly compete against. So it can't possibly be considered antitrust. It's not at all um, a conflict of interest. They're merging with ExxonMobil. It'll be fine. It's fine. I mean, a car company and a gas company, how on earth could that be considered a monopoly? Well, the problem is, people, a monopoly and antitrust are not the same. A monopoly would be um, Toyota merging with Ford. Right? Yes. And Chevy. It's getting Park Place and Boardwalk. Right. It's becoming so much of the same industry that there's only one company in the industry. Antitrust is... I, I don't know how to do it in monopoly terms like you just said. But antitrust is saying, okay, Toyota also owns like the largest gas company in the world. The largest exporter of oil. And suddenly... They have special inroads with this gas company. And if you drive any other kind of car or you use a different kind of gasoline or Exxon is now shifting everyone over to a new type of gasoline and Toyota gets it for free, gets the technology for free, but every other car company has a huge tariff put on it. That's antitrust. It's, it's for like it's forcing it's like all the other car companies to pay more money for what Toyota gets for free. The closest thing I can think about this is, in terms of Monopoly, is it's getting the yellows and the blues and the railroads. So no matter where you land on that entire side of the board, you're paying the same person. You're that's, screwed. That's a combination of Monopolies and, and Antitrust. But I like it. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it, it's a stretch. It's a stretch, I know. But, you know, trying to put it in Monopoly terms here. It's just, I can't figure this out. I'm not a business major, okay? I, I'm not. I'm not a corporate lawyer. I'm just a simple, simple backwoods IT guy with a podcast. And I can see this. Yeah, it, it could be problematic. How come... Glorious leader, who is the best at business, really just the best, doesn't. You know, I think he, from a business standpoint, is constantly looking to grow his empire. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that that's probably how these people are looking at it. They're just companies trying to grow their empire we do it. Why can't they? That's the only thing that makes sense to me in any of this. Mm, I, I could see that. I could see that. 
I don't think government should be a company. Just saying. I don't either. In fact, I would love to see government full of nothing but part-time people. Like there are only people part-time? Yeah, the rest of the time. They're just the dickheads that we know that they are. (laughs) Wow. If you can't tell everyone, we are tired and bitter. No, just... I. I don't like the idea of full-time politicians. I don't like the idea of full-time bureaucrats. I actually asked um, a senator about this a few years ago in regards to to full-time service and term limits. And he said, well, look at Benjamin Franklin. The guy was a full-time politician. And he served his whole life as a politician. And I said, yeah, but he kept getting asked to serve. He wasn't running for elected office. And he was serving at the will of somebody else, not his own. He didn't really have a response for that. Most people don't. Um, so let's leave some of the politics stuff here and go to fun announcements. Apple, I'm really tired of politics, by the way. I am too. I just wish it could skip forward to... To not politic time. I just had a very depressing thought. I don't know the next time we can talk at all about politics and not be talking about stupid people. Um, well, let's just leave them out of our technology. Then we don't need to talk about it. We're technology. We're technological libertarians. <laughs> I don't know if that's a party yet, but it is now. It should be. Okay. Um, so Apple released iOS 10.3 with a very familiar feature in them. Remember, what was it, a couple of months ago when there was that app that came out, Find My AirPods? Yes. Yeah, and it helped you find where your AirPods were because it was so freaking easy to lose them. And Apple took it off the App Store. Yeah, they shut them down. iOS 10.3. they wanted it. They wanted it. Yeah, iOS (laughs) 10.3 has Find My AirPods built into it. Now, is it the same... As it was, or... It seems to be very, very similar. Because, you know, Google will do that a lot. They don't take the apps off the off the Play Store, but they'll just take the features that are built into custom ROMs and into different apps and bake them into the next version of Android. So I, I don't really see a problem with it, other than the fact that Apple said, no, you can't sell this, and then, oh, by the way, we're doing it. Right. I, I don't like that. I don't but. either. Um, uh, other updates, really, there's not much, but there is a rather large one. They've changed the uh, file system to the Apple file system, APFS. Doesn't really go into great detail about what it is, but and I have to stress this. Whenever you have to convert a device to a totally new file system, it's usually pretty uh, process intensive. It eats up a lot of space while it's doing it. Uh, they are saying that it will take up less space when it was, when it's done. It's more efficient. And I believe that, but while it's in transition, it always eats up space. So when this drops for the general public, cause I think it's still in beta right now, you will be needing to clear off a lot of space on your phone and your iPad to get it to work. Well, and we've seen that before in the past where the iOS updates actually are not, there's not enough space on the d- 
device to perform the full update. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about how they have to do workarounds and whatnot to get around that. I, I bet we see something like that. We'll probably will. Um, the last time we saw something like this, though, people still had to use iTunes to do any kind of update. And you still have that option. But now with... I mean, iOS hasn't needed to be hooked into an iTunes computer to do updates or to install apps for quite a while, for a very, very long time. So it kind of makes me wonder how they're going to do it in that instance where there is no computer that it's hooked into. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more curious than anything. I'm, and if any of our Apple friends sees this hit their phone, I'm interested to hear how it goes. Yeah, let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. One other thing that we should note, Siri now supports cricket scores from Indian Premier League and International Cricket Council. So all you cricket fans out there can get your scores directly from Siri going forward. Indeed. Um, because, you know, cricket's cool, but man, it ain't baseball. A lot of other little features just make it more like Android. That sounds like a backhanded compliment. It's not intended that way. I'm just saying a lot of new Android updates make it more like Apple, too. You know, we've talked about that, though, how there's not really a lot of difference anymore. Well, It it all comes down to personal preference. There is a a new kid coming out, and it was announced. Oh? I am excited. I'm so excited I already pre-ordered it. I oh, never really? do that, but I pre-ordered the Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. Really? As much as you love your S7, huh? I adore my S7, which is why I feel confident getting the S8 Plus. Okay, so, the worst kept secret in the industry. Probably it really is. Probably on purpose. They probably were doing that on purpose to get us to stop talking about the Note 7. Probably, and I think we actually speculated that that may be the cause, mm-hmm. or the case. So this week, they did announce, officially, the two new flagship phones from Samsung. The Galaxy S8, with a 5.8-inch screen, so larger than the S7, by a fair amount, actually. The S7 is a 5.5, I don't know, if it's actually smaller than that, isn't it? Um, 5.3? While you look that up, uh, and the S8 Plus, which is 6.2 inches, so solidly in phablet size. It's 5.1. It's 5.1. Yeah. So the 5.8 inch is considerably larger, and the 6.2 is just in a whole new league. That's more than an inch larger. Every which inch a, counts. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, I'm kind of surprised that you went for that big. I mean, cause the S, or the S8 just regular standard is, is a lot bigger than you're currently accustomed to. Um, so yeah, adding an extra four inches there. My, um, or six inches. No? Four. You really are tired. I am tired. The math. <laughs> it's defeating me. I can't I, math tonight. I, I'm still waiting for you to, to work it out. How much bigger is it? I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 6.2 minus 5.1. <laughs> it's 1.1 inches. There we go. <laughs> um, now, these things 
are very different than previous Samsung devices and previous galaxies, mainly because of what they're calling the infinity display. It is edge to edge glass on nearly all four sides. So not a lot of bezel, not a lot of bezel on the sides. Um, practically no bezel on the sides and they're curved edges, kind of like the galaxy S six and S seven edge were. Um, and the bezels at the top and bottom are also down to a bare minimum. There are no physical buttons on the front anymore. Instead, they are on the display and they did something kind of interesting. Time will have to tell to see how this pans out, but instead of just tapping a soft button that comes up, you can hard press the screen down where the home button normally is. And they put an extra button hardware underneath the screen in that location. Oh, wow. So even if the button isn't showing, you can still do it. And the haptic feedback, that is to say the vibrations, still make it feel like you're pressing a button. Okay. Kind of now, what does this mean for the fingerprint sensor? Because that's where the Galaxy S7 had the fingerprint sensor. Well, Did they now, move it to the back? They moved it to the back right next to the camera, which is probably the only questionable thing I can see here. Because... I'm going to smudge the crap out of my camera. I know it while trying to unlock the phone. Well, you look at the S7 and its current design. If you're going to use S Health or any of any, um, you know, blood pressure or not blood pressure, pulse or anything like that, that's right next to the camera currently. Yes, it is. And so, my, I mean, I, my camera's I don't see already that as smudged. being a huge deal. Yeah, I, I don't see that being a big deal. Now, it currently has the same camera as the S7, which is okay, because honestly, the S7 has an incredible camera. Right? Yeah. The uh, front-facing camera has been expanded to an 8-megapixel. Remember when we used to think like a rear shooter of an 8-megapixel was just insane? Yeah. Yeah, and then, what was it, Nokia came out with like a 64 megapixel or 128? I mean, it was insanely high. No, it was really more just a uh, a camera that they happened to throw phone hardware into. Yeah. yeah. Um, it uses a USB Type-C port, so they are leaving behind the micro USB, so I have to get all new cables. It keeps the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. Remember when we said that it might get rid of it? Mm-hmm. Still there. Um, they have a dedicated button to their Bixby virtual assistant, which we first talked about last week. Yes. What does this mean? We're not honestly sure yet. Not a lot about Bixby has come out. Um, contextual awareness is a buzzword they like to use for it. That means that you can say, you know, find restaurants near me, uh, and it'll pop up a bunch of things. Show me ones that are five star. And it knows that you're referencing the previous discussion. Yeah. You know. Which is really cool. And, I mean, when you stop and think about it, that's that's a pretty sweet feature. Mm-hmm. And it, it Google's is. got that. And yep. uh, uh, I don't know. I imagine Siri does, too, now. But um, They both have the Snapdragon 835, which we've mentioned in previous shows is uh, made by Snapdragon, but manufactured by Samsung. It's a 10 nanometer chip, which means it should get much better battery life for the amount of power it's using. 
Um, the international version uses a totally different setup, as is usual. The S8 has a 3,000 milliamp hour battery. The S8 Plus, 3,500 milliamp. Now, they have the same resolution screen. It's a uh, 2960 by 1440, which is uh, kind of common now amongst high-end phones. But because they're the same resolution across different screen sizes, it means that the S8 has a pixel per inch of like 570 and the S8 Plus, 529. Okay. Also, water and dustproof, like the previous one. They say resistant. Yeah. I, I love the picture that they have of it um, just floating in, in like the fish tank. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it'll be the very first one with Bluetooth 5.0. We've never really gotten into the different versions of Bluetooth because who can keep them all straight? Um, but 5.0 is interesting because it's the first one that can stream audio to two separate devices at the same time. Which is freaking cool. Right. It is the future. The future is now. Uh, um, there's a few different uh, ways to unlock. It has the iris unlock system where it actually uses scans of your iris. There's the face unlock, which is super fast. Everyone who's used it says it's just unbelievably fast, but some security researchers have been able to fool it with just photos. Yeah, that's something I've never even tried it on any of my phones. Yeah, neither have I. But supposedly it's it's supposed to be better on this one. We'll have to see if a photo works or not. Uh, then there's the aforementioned uh, fingerprint, uh, and then, of course, normal pin. You do have to have a lock screen on your phone in order to use Samsung Pay. So you do want to do that. Yes. And, and that makes sense. I know a lot of people complained about it with Google when they put made that a requirement for Android, uh, Android Pay. But I never saw it as that big of a deal because I use a lock screen anyways. Yeah, same here. Uh, the pre-order is already open um, for all carriers. Each carrier is doing their own little uh, extras. Uh, but right now, if you pre-order, you get an Oculus... Samsung's own Oculus variant, along with a couple games. That's pretty cool. Is that, is that the Gear VR? Yeah, it's their new version of the Gear VR, the second generation. Okay. Um, if you don't want to pre-order, the official release will be April 21st. And availability will, of course, be limited to whatever your carrier has on hand. Now, how do you think these are going to be received out of the gate? Do you think this is going to be... I mean, obviously, there's the hardcore Samsung fanboys who are going to go out and pre-order it. Yeah, I just called you a hardcore Samsung fanboy. I can't really dis- I can't really dispute that now. I, I, I know you can't. I, know I want you can't. to. That's why I did it. But, you know, you look at Apple and their stuff, people will line up and, and all sorts of crap to get the device. Do you see people doing that with samsung's here i um i don't think so but i don't really see any android phone pulling in that kind of draw and maybe i'm wrong we're excited but are they are they reasonable to the point where they won't be doing that they know that hey i can pre-order it and it'll be there or i can get it tomorrow when i go to the store instead See, and the reason I pre-ordered was not for the phone. It was for the bonuses that came with it. Which 
is a good incentive to pre-order. Yeah, la- last time when honest. I got my S7, I also got, like, because my wife and I both got S7s, so we got two years of Netflix, and we got uh, $200 of Samsung credit, and we got a whole lot of stuff out of it. And see, with us, we just got the free phone, unfortunately. We got that, too. So. We know how to play the system. But the, I think the real fact of the matter is, is that the S7 was an incredible phone. Still is. Oh, yeah. Um, That I, I'd be very happy with continuing to use for years. The only reason I pre-ordered the S8 is because I had the opportunity to for a way better price than I normally would that I can't go into detail for. But trust me, it's all legit. <laughs> well, I, I'm i still rocking an S6 for work. Uh, I assume that in a year, they'll probably upgrade me to the S8. Uh, I Bonus. may be able to hold off until the S9 comes out and just go for it then. So... One day I may join your ranks, but to, today is not that day because I really like my S7. I I don't see the need to upgrade at this point. Um, well, in a really funny twist, Microsoft will be selling a customized S8. I just about said S7 again, but it'll be the Microsoft edition of the Galaxy S8. Yes. At first, I was like, oh, this is awesome, finally, because I use all the Office apps. I use Cortana. I use Skype. I use Bing. I use all of it. And I know that they've been talking about it for a while, about like like Nokia tried doing it, an Android phone with built-in Microsoft systems. We, we talked about it and how awesome that would be. Yeah, it's not quite that awesome. It's a standard run-of-the-mill S8 that you have to buy and unbox at a Microsoft store that they will then go in and download all the Microsoft apps to your phone for you. Because, you know, in case you're an idiot and you've never used Android before and don't know how to install an app. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. I mean, it, it makes sense. Google has a stranglehold on their partners. If you want to be Google certified for Android, you have to play by their rules. And you have to play by their rules for all your phones. So if Samsung were to ever make an actual Microsoft edition phone, they would lose their certification with Google and wouldn't be able to use any official branches of Android on any of their phones. So they're not yeah. going to do that. I get that. But this feels like a massive cop-out from Microsoft to sell it as a Microsoft edition phone, when it is so obviously not. Maybe it's going to have a... uh, Maybe they'll put a sticker on the back or something, a little Microsoft logo. This one has the customized Microsoft background. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Microsoft wallpaper. I I don't know. It just seems like a real cheap buy-in. And see, I wonder how many people, because, I mean, they're talking, what was it, up to 850 bucks for the phone? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money to have somebody install their apps for you. Generally, I call that bloatware. Right. Hmm. 
maybe the term of bloat uh, the term bloatware is becoming a little bit um looser nowadays perhaps perhaps um speaking of android and windows android has actually just surpassed windows um in the number of operating systems used on the internet now for those who don't know when you look at stats of who visits your website you can generally see what kind of browser they're using you know where they're located also what their operating system is and you can use that data to kind of tailor your your website to your users so that if everybody is using internet explorer 6 then you can put up a banner that says stop using Internet Explorer 6. If you come here using that crap, we're going to tell you to go away. Um, so yeah, this is interesting. Uh, in, in March, Windows had 37.91% of the market share worldwide of Internet traffic, Internet usage. Android had 37.93%. So two hundredths? of a percentage more and it's still worth noting though i mean that's it's, crazy it's huge news i mean people are acting like microsoft just went out of business with this well it says something too of i think this is less about how big the operating system has become and more about how we have started to use the internet uh, and not even started that is the story yeah that's the real story here i mentioned i haven't been on a computer since last week since we last recorded um we're doing a massive move at work where and as it i have to pick up the entire office and move it into a new location and pray it doesn't break while simultaneously keeping us in business till the very last minute and making sure we're back in business as soon as the move is over yeah it's insane. So I haven't had a chance to even be on the internet. My, uh, to be at a, at a computer, I have to clarify that. Um, my computer at work is still the only one that hasn't been put back together because I've been busy making sure everyone else can work and do their job. I'll probably won't set my desk up until another week out. But that's not to say I haven't been browsing. Because when I get home at like 1 or 2 a.m. and I need to just kind of unwind or veg out before going to sleep, what do I do? I pull out my phone. Exactly. And I browse. And hopefully you have your blue light filter enabled on your S7. I do. I do. It's It says more about how we as a society now browse the internet, now consume the internet, which is what we do through our phones. We do not interact with the internet. You click and you consume. True. I don't think I've ever seen anyone form fill anything on the internet <laughs> or, or write a blog post from their phone or, or write uh, an article or edit a photo and post it or anything like that. I actually have. Really? For stolen droids, yeah. I, I've written articles on my phone. But it's rare. It is very rare. That was the article where you used the word ducking a lot. It might have been. <laughs> Stupid autocorrect. Now, it is worth noting, interestingly, this is they're predicting that this is also the year that uh, the Google Play Store revenue or Android app revenue will surpass iOS. But only if you include third-party resellers. Like, you know, other app stores. Like Amazon? Yeah. And, and we've brought this up before that, uh, Apple makes vastly more money 
than Android does on fewer sales. Yes. It's just kind of, it makes me wonder where this is headed. One feature about the S8, going back to that, that we didn't talk about is called the Dex Dock. D-E-X-D-O-C-K. Where you plug your phone into the cradle and it becomes a desktop. It connects to a larger monitor, a keyboard, mouse, and you can use it as if it were a desktop. Now, granted, you can only run Android apps, so maybe a Chromebook is a better analogy to it. Okay. But it's a different OS. It's a different layout. It's a different UI, I should say. It's not OS, but it's a different UI. This is probably where we're heading with Android. And, you know, I can totally see that. I was I was on a bus for a lot of hours over the past week. A lot of hours. And I was there with 50 kids, give or take a couple, um, and a handful of adults. It was interesting to see the way that the kids use their phones compared to the way the adults use their phones. I think I'm kind of the anomaly because I use my phone for pretty much everything. But a lot of the adults, you know, they had no problem keeping a full charge on their phone. Their their phone sat there and they used it for texting and they would use it to make phone calls and they would take pictures when we were places. And that was about it. Meanwhile, the kids are, are using it for chatting back and forth. They're using it for um, Snapchat. They're using it for, you know, sharing Facebook Live videos, I mean, all this social media consumption, Netflix consumption, I mean, all these things that that the adults didn't. And I really think that, I mean, like you said, this this article really says more about how we're how we're moving with with our Internet usage. Looking at those kids, it's a very good indicator. Everything is going mobile. Everything is going portable. And, you know, we keep saying that the desktop is dead there's still a use for it, but it's increasingly it's, becoming work use. It's, it's becoming, uh, yeah, it's becoming a, a, a very specialized product. It, it's for gaming and it's for, well, hardcore gaming more so than angry birds. When I say hardcore, um, it's, it's for gaming and it's for doing work is what it's for. It's no longer, for getting on and checking your email. And I mean, do you, you remember the days of, I just need to log on. Give me the internet for five minutes. I got to check my AOL email. Oh, totally. Oh, I remember the days where it was just, oh man, it was a, it was a lucky day when we got to visit the computer lab at school. Yeah. The, the, the twice during the month that we got to be on a computer and do anything. That's a great day right there. And now it's like, eh, I'll just wait between periods. And hop on my phone then. I mean, kids today have it very, very different. And at the risk of turning into the grumpy old guy saying, get off my lawn, it's hard for us as the generation that grew first grew up with computers in the classroom and not even in the classroom. We're talking like in one part of the school that we had to visit. It's hard for us to be able to predict exactly how kids in even just another five years will continue to use computers. And this chart is really shifting because of those kids. 
and it, it will continue is. to do so. And it's like I said, it is hard for us to try and figure out how it's going to do that. Yeah, speaking sure. of us getting old, speaking of things changing, AOL and Yahoo are merging. Verizon bought them both. They are merging them together and then closing them and renaming them into Oath. O-A-T-H. As in, we promise not to sell your data or we promise to sell your data. I have no clue what they're going to be doing with them. (laughs) Marissa Meyer will not be involved. They're calling it a brand company, which to me makes it sound like it exists just to exist. Well, that at this point, isn't that kind of what AOL is? They just kind of exist? Kind of, yeah. I gotta say, Oath is a stupid sounding name. Yes, I agree. But we will soon be living in a world where AOL and Yahoo don't exist anymore. But it's interesting to note that the internet part of the business is going to be run by the AOL leftovers. Right. So, so you know it's going to work well. Yeah. Yeah. A um, billion plus consumers, 20 plus brands. Wow. This will be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one, Mad Cats. Remember... Well, a lot of our listeners might not, actually. But uh, when the first Xbox came out, if you didn't have the enormous amount of money to buy an Xbox controller from Microsoft, you could always buy one from Mad Cats for half the price. And it worked decently. And the plastic wasn't so cheap, it broke. And hey, it's better than nothing. So people bought. People bought a lot of Mad Cat stuff. Well, it turns out they're not going to be around much longer either. Um, they're getting Chapter 7 pan- bankruptcy. And they're closing. Yeah, and a lot of people say, well, when you declare bankruptcy, can't you like still stay open and stuff? That's Chapter 11. Chapter 7 says, we're not going to reorganize. We're just going to shut our doors and disappear into the night. Now, I find it interesting to note that part of their problems are caused directly by Rock Band 4, um, kind of sucking. Um, yeah, because they, they bought into that real heavily. Yeah, they co-published it, and they did the instruments for the game. And the company said to their investors, we need it to succeed in order to be stable, and that didn't happen. And now the company is going away. So... Uh, so I guess in February they laid off almost thirty-seven percent of their employees. That's that's a big layoff. Mm-hmm. And now the rest will go away. Sorry. What when, what do you think is the next company from our uh, from the early aughts, as it were, from the late nineties, early aughts that are just synonymous with our technology and gaming culture? That's the next one to go. We've already lost Atari. You know, we I lost don't... Sega long ago. <sighs> I don't know. I I don't stay up on the financials, so I, I really don't know. I mean, AOL's gone. Yahoo's... I mean, they're going away. AOL and Yahoo are going away. 
I mean, I, I don't know. There's, it seems that there are so, there's so many mergers and so many companies that just can't quite cut it in this quickly changing world that there are very few that surprise me anymore when they go away. I think it's time to retire MSN. Is that still a thing? MSN is still a thing, uh, if only because it's still MSNBC. Uh huh. And uh, a lot of MSN email addresses and a lot of holdovers uh, sites are still there. Even though Microsoft tried to uh, phase it out, it still exists in one form or another. I think it's time to finally just straight up retire it. Yeah. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's time to just, just shut it all down. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, into our favorites. This week was April Fool's. And normally we try not to talk about April Fool's because there are so many stupid things out there. Um, but this one, this one was pretty awesome. Pornhub, the company who was responsible for evidently educating our entire state about sexual, sexual education, um, did a genius and diabolical April Fool's Day gag. When you clicked on a video on April Fool's, it automatically launched a pop-up saying, thanks for sharing this video and saying that you had just shared which video you were watching to you to Facebook. Yeah, that's enough to make people freak a little bit. Uh, people were freaking left and right. And if you, if you click on any of the buttons, uh, it would say, you know, just, just kidding. This is April Fool's. We didn't actually do that. But what was really hilarious, truly hilarious was the fact how many people screenshotted it and took to Twitter or Facebook to say, Oh my gosh, I totally got punked by this. Dude, you just screenshot yourself on Pornhub in an incognito window saying you fell for it, essentially documenting for everyone when and on what device you were watching porn. Uh, yeah, I, which, you know, although <laughs> I, I should say it doesn't seem to have the stigma that it did years ago. Well, no, but if you're in incognito mode, you're obviously not wanting people to know you're looking at porn. So then f posting it to your Facebook that you just got punked while watching porn. Kind of entertaining. I, I'm just saying, it's a little counterintuitive, people. But that is still an ingenious and mean but hilarious prank. Now, you know, with me being gone, I was actually at Disneyland all day on, on April Fool's Day. So I did not get to see really anything. That was the only prank that I really saw. And not because I was there, because everybody screenshotted it and posted it on Imager and Twitter. Um, but yeah, I, I normally we have a lot of, a lot of April Fool's pranks to talk about. And it didn't seem like there were many this time around. Hmm. I think a lot of people got very tired of it. I also think it's kind of like what the creators of South Park said. It's really hard to write something outlandish and crazy as a prank when crazier things are happening in the government right now every day. Yeah, true. True. I mean, it's it, the world is upside down, my friend. So upside down. 
So, okay, my favorite, uh, I don't really have a favorite this week, so I'm copying out. Rogue One DVD comes out today, hopefully, if we get this up on Tuesday like I expect. Um, but yeah, it comes out, so if you did not see it in the theaters, you need to pick it up on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, go get it. It's been up on Amazon Instant Video for a few weeks now, but, you know, we're geeks. We like to have stuff, so Go get some stuff and make sure that it's the Rogue One DVD uh, because that's just straight-up awesomeness. It was a great movie, and you need to watch it. And if you have seen it, watch it again. That was not a paid advertisement. But do you need it to be? You should just watch it. Everyone I, should. I, I really want to get paid for doing that, but I can't. Mm-hmm. All right. They won't. <laughs> that is our show this week. Again, let us know what you're thinking, uh, what's going on in your life. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call at 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.